If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 12 as we are actually through, yeah, 4 through 12 as we go through, continue to go through the book of Hebrews. And, uh, whoops, I'm wrong, 4, 4 through 13. 4 through 13. And uh, as we go through Hebrews, so get your Bibles open and, um, and we're going to pray together. Father, thank you for the, the fact of being in your word. Thank you for the fact that, um, that you have something to say to us this morning through your word. And uh, as individuals here this morning, uh, help us to know what that is. What is it that you're going to tell us today in anticipation? Something specific? It could be different than the person sitting next to us or across the whole uh, congregation on the other side, but it's something specific to us. We do this every day when we read your word. We ask you to speak specifically to us, and we do it now as we study your word. And Lord, I also want to join with Jerry and pray for Rob as he goes to Panama and just lay, a, 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 lay your protective uh, wall around him and post protective angels around him and give him a, the joy of serving you and bring him back safe and sound, Lord, and thank you for his work at our sound booth and uh, just uh, bless him. Thank you, Lord, for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, uh, we, as I said, we're in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 13, and the title of the message today is The Blessing of Divine Discipline. The Blessing of Divine Discipline. You may think, hey, that's an oxymoron. How can, how can discipline be a blessing? Well, you're going to find out today about the blessing of divine discipline. Let's look at this text today, Hebrews 12, starting in verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have, forgot, and you have forgotten that, the, that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. And God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're, you are uh, illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our father... Fathers disciplined us for a little while, uh, while they, as, well as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Well, as you've heard many, many times as we've gone through the book of Hebrews, it's kind of an underlining, underlying theme, is that because of the hardships and difficulties and persecution that was coming from their unsaved Jewish friends and relatives, some of these Jewish believers at this little church in Italy uh, were starting to weaken. They were getting weary. Uh, they started turning their focus away from Christ and onto their problems thinking more about the problems than they were about Jesus. And they were actually contemplating going back to their old life, to their old Jewish traditions and rules and laws and regulations and systems and formulas for eternal life instead of Jesus. 
because it was, this doesn't sound very spiritual, but it was a hassle knowing Jesus. It was a hassle then, and sometimes it's a hassle today to know Jesus in a world that's completely opposed to Jesus. The bottom line is they started really well. They were on fire for the Lord um, and, uh, and were walking with him, but after time, the glitter kind of wore off their walk with, with God. And in order to grow spiritually, they found out that God was going to allow difficulties, trials, and discipline into their lives so that they could grow up. So instead of abundant life, it seemed like abundant problems. Abundant life was turning into abundant problems. I, I, this is a rhetorical question, but have you ever thought that the Christian life seemed like abundant problems instead of abundant life? Don't answer that question. But I think for a lot of us, we're going, wow, I'm going totally upstream. What, what is the deal here for the Christian life? And you might, as they were asking, you know, God, why this? Why me? Why now? I thought this was going to be like a, um, just a real easy ride, and it wasn't. Which brings us to the subject of God's discipline in our lives. And I'm going to give you an illustration that many of you have experienced I think, I know I have more than once. In fact, it happened the other day, uh, I think a day before yesterday, and uh, when Debbie and I were out uh, spending a Friday together just as kind of a date day. And um, anyway, let me share with you this, this not totally theoretical uh, um, illustration. Maybe at some point in your life you've been on an airplane or you've been at a park or at a grocery store or something, and some little kid is going absolutely ballistic. And, he, and is it totally ruling from his little throne, uh, his parents. He is going, he's uncorked. And he is crying and he's yelling and he's throwing a fit. And, uh, and the parents really aren't doing anything about it. Anybody ever have that experience? No. Just one? Really? <laughs> Come on now. How many really? I want to see some hands. Okay, better, yeah. And uh, you think, I know what you're thinking about when that happens. Why aren't those parents doing something about their kid? I'll tell you what, I'm going to go make a deal with you. I'll spend five minutes with your kid, and everything will be good. Fine. Okay, just give me five minutes with that child. And they'll stop acting that way. And you're not being mean, okay? Maybe you're a little irritated, but you're not being mean, Okay. But here's what you know. You know that the best thing for that child is not to be unhinged and ruling the parents, but to be disciplined so they can learn to behave and to live properly, right? You know that trouble's ahead, right? You can see it. You're not dumb. You're discerning. You can see that there, if these parents keep letting these children act this way, it's not going to stop in the grocery store when they're in the cart, you know? It's going to go all the way up through their life, and they're going to sow some oats that they really are going to get hurt by in the long run. Now, it's that way with God and his discipline in our lives. It's that way with God and his discipline in our lives. He wisely and he sovereignly disciplines us by lovingly chastising us or letting us go through hard times so that we'll grow spiritually and not stay in a state of immaturity and so he, he disciplines us so that we'll grow up and be mature Christians. You with me so far? Not? Well, you'll get there. Okay. Um, 
The title of the message is The Blessing of Divine Discipline. And I think it's good to start out with just defining what discipline is because most often when we think of discipline, it's God punishing us for something that we did wrong. And I know maybe you're... I married an optimist. And they say opposites attract. Get it? <laughs> and so when something painful happens to me, I, I almost immediately think, I wonder what I did wrong. I wonder what I did to tick God off. And I've been learning that it's not God being angry at all. The discipline is not just when we do something wrong and God lays the hammer down on us. Discipline itself here is, by the way, it's mentioned nine times in ten verses here. Nine times in ten verses. And it's being sent to a group of people that are really in a lot of pain and, 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 and seeing on the horizon a whole lot more pain. Anyway, the root word for discipline here generally means to teach or instruct as one would a child. To teach or instruct as one would a child. Now, it can also mean to correct or punish or educate or cause affliction. And it means discipline for the means of educating, protecting, preventing someone from something for their well-being. So discipline is way, 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 way more than just God getting mad at us and punishing us for doing something wrong. It has a corrective nature and a maturing nature. And its chastisement is to reveal wrong behavior so that we can, by his grace and strength, get rid of it and grow up and be adult Christians, not baby Christians. It's not always for something that we've done wrong or because we've sinned. And sometimes God's discipline is for wholly different reasons. Sometimes God disciplines us uh, so that we're, we stay humble. You look at the Apostle Paul, and when he saw that heavenly vision in 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, yeah, 12, he saw that heavenly vision, and God said, you know, I'm going to have to give you a thorn in your flesh so that you stay humble because I blessed you, okay? And then you look at the, the, um, um, the Corinthians themselves, getting drunk, cutting off each other in the buffet line at the, the weekly feast, uh, generally being snotty and gossipy and irreverent uh, about the Lord's Supper. And it says that some of them uh, um, got sick and some of them died. God allowed some of them to get sick so that they would forget about being immature and start to become mature. But one thing that I want you to know about discipline as we think about what discipline is, because we're all experiencing it right now to some level or another. And I hope that you will think about that as I'm preaching. What is it discipline in my life is God employing to help me grow? Now, again, it's not necessarily God's punishment, but it's something that God does in your life and mine to get us more dependent on him. That's the key. Get more dependent on him. But anyway, God's discipline never means pouring out his wrath as punishment for our sins and guilt as Christians. And you got to know that. Because some of us have more of an of a onion skin con, uh, conscience than others do. I envy you people that don't have too thin of a conscience. I have a very thin conscience. You know, and Satan knows that, and he knows how to monopolize on that. Some of you are a little less 
uh, hard on yourselves, okay? But what it, the point is is that God doesn't, put, that God doesn't exercise discipline in our lives as a means of pouring out his wrath and punishment for our sins and guilt as Christians. Why? Because he poured all that sin and all that guilt on who? On Jesus himself, the Son of God. We sang that this morning wonderfully. So thank you, Dylan, for those words of Christ going to the cross for our sins. Does that ever get old? Not to me, it doesn't. I need it. I need a perfect sacrifice for my perfect disobedience, you know? (laughs) So it's never for punishment for sins and because of God's wrath. Charles Spurgeon, a wonderful preacher from England in the mid-1850s, put it this way. God's people could never by any possibility be punished for their sins. God has, punishment, has punished them already in the person of Christ. Christ, their substitute, has endured the full penalty for all their guilt. And neither the justice nor the love of God can ever exact that, again, that which Christ has paid. Punishment can never happen to a child of God in the judicial sense. He can never be brought before God as his judge, as charged with guilt, because that guilt was long ago transferred to the shoulders of Christ. And the punishment was exacted at the hands of his surety. But yet, while the sin cannot be punished, while the Christian cannot be condemned, he can be chastised, and while he, is ne- will never, while he shall never be arraigned before God's bar as a criminal and punished for his guilt, yet he now stands in a new relationship, that of a child to his parent, and as a son he may be chastised on account of sin. And so we need to be sure of that. That's one of those things that we don't want to go too far into the message and, and think, well, you know, he's punishing me now for my sin. He's, 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 I'm guilty, and he's chastising me for it. It's never that reason now. Who will whisper in your ear that it is for that reason? Satan. Satan. And I'm going to talk about Satan a little bit in a a few minutes and how he tries to blind us to that. But God's discipline is not to point out our sin and guilt and that we're judged for it. God's uh, discipline is corrective, right? It's, It's not judgmental. It's to make us better. God's discipline is not to disown us, but to develop us. God's discipline is an instructor, a mentor, a revealer, and a teacher that is given to us so that we are drawn away from what causes us harm and push us towards a mature, uh, loving God. And I don't know if you noticed it, probably not, because you haven't had the, the privilege of studying this like I have this week. But in verse 5, it says, you have, have you forgotten the word of encouragement? Discipline is given by God to us to encourage us because it's as a result of discipline we grow. And it's really, really encouraging to grow. And so discipline starts out with that foundational definition. Sometimes, and we see it in verse 5, that discipline is defined as a rebuke. Have you forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons? Verse 5, second half, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Sometimes God will rebuke you and me. He'll rebuke us. And do we not need to be rebuked? Sometimes, you know. What does the, the word of God say about the word of God? But all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, in righteousness. 
Sometimes when we're reading the word, we get re- rebuked. Sometimes uh, a fellow Christian might rebuke us. I've been rebuked by fellow Christians. I mean, they were completely wrong, but I've been rebuked by fellow Christians. <laughs> they were right, and boy, did it ever hurt because they were people I respected. You know, I've been rebuked by people that have not, I don't know how much I respect them, but I've had, been, had a couple, two, three, four healthy rebukes, but you know what? I grew through them. When, I, when my emotions finally settled down and I didn't want to, you know, you know, throw a punch back, I realized I said it out of love and they've been some of the greatest incentives for maturity in my life that I've ever had. And God rebukes us so that we can grow. He, a rebuke is a def, small definition is to convince of wrongdoing and to change our ways. And that's what God does. And that's, that's a form of discipline, is a rebuke. And then another form of discipline, and we've mentioned it before, is in verse 6, and that's to be punished. Verse 6. Not punished judicially, but as a parent punishes their child because they love them, uh, that's a form of discipline. Verse, what did I say? Verse 6. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart uh, uh, when he rebukes you because the, Lord's, the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he, accept, he accepts as a son. So you say, you know, God's punishing me Okay, lovingly, can't do it any other way, but for a specific sin or attitude that we're not repenting of. God punishes us not for anything that we've never heard about. You with me? We've heard about it. We've heard about it from the Word. We've heard about it from the pulpit. Maybe we've heard about it from a song that we sang in worship. We've heard about it through the Holy Spirit, and we have just decided that, that we're just going to go on as is. And we're not going to do anything about it. And that's when God's punishment comes in. It's, it, of course, just like a good parent would do. Okay? You are good parents. You do not let your children continue in bad behavior without punishing them. Okay? You just, you just have to. Okay? And that's, that's a form of, of, of discipline, okay? And then another, this is, this is fascinating to me, and I, I'm really happy to say this this morning. I'm, this gives me great joy to say this. In verse 7, look at the t- first sentence in verse 7. Discipline comes as hardship. Endure discipline, as, hardship as discipline. And I, the illustration came to me of boot camp. How many people here have ever been through boot camp? For Marines, whatever, all right, quite a number of you. That is not a party, okay? It's not, I, w- I have never heard of someone saying, may I enjoy boot camp? It was just, just a fun experience. But it was brutal. And, but you came out the other end, right? Perfectly, physically fit, mentally sharper. Uh, you grew. And that's what it's saying here. And, and, and I love this. It says, Endure hardship as discipline. What can discipline come to us in the form of? Hardship. And I know, because I'm there too, that there's many people here this morning, you're experiencing a hardship of some way, shape, or form. A hardship. Think about your hardship right now. God is allowing that in your life to do what? To discipline you into a deeper uh, 
fellowship with him and a, and a, and a growth spurt. God wants us to have growth spurts. And he knows that hardship produces those. And we think, well, when I'm on the mountaintop, then I'll really grow. You don't grow on a mountaintop. I've been on a mountaintop. I've been on the top of Mount St. Or not Mount St. Helens, but Mount Hood. Been up there. There were no daffodils up there, okay? There were no, I don't know very many flowers. Um, that's about all the flowers I know, I think, yeah. <laughs> but there were none of those flowers up there. Where you going to pick flowers, make, make whatever you make with flowers, you know. And, uh, and, but you know what? When, you go, when I went, we went down back into uh, the bottom of the mountain, there was green grass and wildflowers. You don't get the beauty on the mountaintop. You get it in the valley where, where hardships. Man, I'm in a hardship. Congratulations. You're growing. Isn't that wonderful? Not one amen. And I don't blame you, okay? Because it hurts. It hurts a lot. But you're growing. And then in general, discipline comes in the form of correction, suffering, adversity, struggles, delays, frustration, disappointment, being hurt. And here's one for you. Here's one for you. And I know this is true because I've experienced it. Discipline comes, and this is holy ground. This is where the mystery of God comes in. Discipline comes to us in the form of our failures. Now, I'll speak for myself because I don't want anybody else to think I'm talking at them, but God has allowed me to fail in things, some things, and he has told me why he's allowed me to fail. Because through that failure, I end up having to humble myself before God and depend on him and confess to him, and in those things, I have grown. I've grown more through my failures than I have any successes I've ever had. And so that's what discipline is. And I wanted to give you a broad picture because um, it's a broad topic. So I hope you've grabbed whatever God's talking to you about. Now, here's the thing. We can react in a stupid way uh, to, to God's discipline. And I say this to you because I love you, but if you react improperly to God's discipline, you miss out on a huge blessing. Now, here it takes discernment. Listen to me. It takes discernment and faith to properly react to God's discipline. And it takes perseverance. So let's see. What does this tell us about how to um, foolishly react to God's discipline? In verses 4 and 5, we have much there. It says, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted, not, you have not yet resisted, I shouldn't have brought my fine print Bible. I don't know why I did that. You have not yet uh, resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. Now, I'm going to keep going here. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Okay, we'll stop there. How can we react wrongly, stupidly, foolishly to God's discipline in our lives? How do we stub our toe? How do we miss out on the blessing of divine discipline? Because when I get to the end of the sermon about noon today, I'm going to share with you the blessings of divine discipline. All right. 
First of all, the foolish reaction to divine discipline is thinking that our discipline is worse than other disciplines, other people's discipline. Look what it says in verse... Uh, let's see, we'll go to verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not resi yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now, we know that Je that's, that's true of Jesus because he shed his blood on the cross um, to pay for our sins, and so it could be Jesus, but it could also be their predecessors, the ones that came before them in Christ. In fact, I preached on that, I think, was it last week or the week before? I can't remember now. Um, about what happened to some of their, their predecessors. They were flogged. They were stoned. They were um, sawed in half. That t tends to make one bleed a little bit. Okay? They were, uh, uh, this one here too, they were uh, put to death by the sword. Now, none of these people that he's, the writers are writing to here had any of that happen to them. And they're, 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 they're whining about it, thinking their problems are worse than other people's problems. But he, the writer here says, quit with all that drama, will you? Because you haven't had that same experience of shedding your blood. Maybe that's to come, but you haven't had it. So one thing that we can do when we are disciplined by God is go, wah, wah. I'm worse than, I'm getting a, raw, a more raw deal than, than John Doe over here or Jane Doe over here. And, and we're told, don't do that. Don't compare ourselves with other people. Listen, I, I'll say this again in a few moments, but God has tailor-made his uh, discipline for our lives. He knows our personality. He knows our bad habits. He knows where we need to be strengthened. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so he has tailor-made his disciplinary process to us, not someone else. So we shouldn't compare to someone else. And then another foolish reaction uh, to divine discipline is to forget what God's discipline is all about. Boy, is that ever easy to do. All right, look at verse 5 again. Uh, my son, do not make, or, uh, and you have forgotten... A bad memory can make discipline really, really miserable. You have forgotten a word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. It's supposed to encourage us, but when we don't remember what it's for, we get discouraged, okay? And they had forgotten what the word of God said about God's discipline in their lives. They had neglected and forgotten it because they weren't in the word of God, okay? And the truth of the word of God was, had slipped away and they had forgotten something really important that, that God wanted to encourage them through their discipline and that they were sons of God and children of God and their discipline proved that. But they weren't in the word enough to remember that and we're not in the word. What can happen is we can misconstrue and misunderstand what is happening to us. Right? We could think it's all random and... And, and, and he's picking on us, and, 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 and uh, why is this happening to, to me now? And uh, we get all these, uh, we, we get all of these, uh, our imaginations run wild when the Word of God tells us what he's doing it for. In fact, if you go back to Proverbs uh, 3 and 11 and 12, it's just interesting because they would have had the Proverbs, these Jews, 
They didn't have the New Testament, but they would have full New Testament. They would have had the Proverbs. And in Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, it says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son who he delights in. But they didn't know it because they forgotten it because they weren't in the word of God. And they didn't have the word of God reassuring them with it and recalling it to their minds. And so they couldn't be encouraged by it. They had forgotten. What dis- and we can too. That's why we've got to stay in the Word. We've got to be in church. We've got to go to that home group. We've got to study the Word of God in our daily time with God. I don't know what I'd do without a daily time with God. I think some of you have just naturally nice personalities. I wasn't blessed with that. <laughs> I fall off the table so quick. I need the Word of God to remind me of truth, or I, I uh, well, we won't go there anymore, okay? Um, so a foolish reaction to divine discipline is thinking that we're worse than others or to forget what God's discipline is all about by not getting into his word. And then a third boo-boo we can make when it comes to what God's doing in our lives is to make light of the Lord's discipline in our lives. In the end of verse 5, it says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. You can make light of it. What does that mean, make light of it? When you make light of something, what are you doing? You're blowing it off. You're not taking it seriously. That's just my cross to bear, oh, whatever. You know? You shrug it off. It's fate. It's bad luck. It's somebody else's fault. You don't take it to heart. You fail to see and acknowledge God's discipline as a loving, personal, providentially engineered thing that happens to all of us. God is providentially... um, disciplining us, each to our own needs. And to treat it lightly means we forget that nothing happens by chance. And it's when we forget that, that when those difficult trials knock on our door and we forget that God has allowed them to develop and we treat it lightly. We treat it lightly. Um, Stephen J. Cole puts it this way, perspective is everything. And isn't that true? Perspective is everything. Man, if we can get the right perspective on what God's doing in our lives, man, we're, we're, we're on the right track. When we're going, perspective is everything. When we're going through tough times, but we have no understanding of the sovereignty of Almighty God, then our struggles seem meaningless, pointless, and without purpose. We wonder, why am I going through this? We focus on our struggle, our discomfort, and we give no thought to the fact that God is at work. Did you know that God is up to something in your life? You say, whoa, really? Yeah, and mine too. And if we don't respond properly to God's discipline, uh, we're not going to benefit from what he's up to. Anyway, uh, this mindset is far different than the mindset that the Apostle Paul possessed. Paul went through horrible situations, suffering beyond anything that any one of us has ever endured, but he knew that in each and every situation, God was at work. God is at work. And God's at work in your life. So don't forget that. Don't treat it lightly. Okay? Don't be indifferent to what God's doing. Don't don't think that what's happening to you is is not significant in God's eyes. It is. And don't just again, don't don't forget how important it is. Okay? Sometimes we're blind to what God is trying to do through discipline in our lives. 
and we don't profit from it. And we think it's just better to ignore it. It'll all go away soon enough. Things will get better. No, what's God, well, God, what are you up to? What are you trying to teach me through your discipline, through your, the hardship I'm in, which comes in the form of, uh, discipline comes in the form of hardship. And then in verse 5, it also gives us another uh, thing that can happen to us, another thing that, um, that we really need to be careful about. Okay? And that, that is, it's a foolish reaction to God's discipline is to lose heart because of it. Look at verse 5 again. There's a lot in here, isn't there? Lots in here. Should have gone two parts on this one, but I'll, we'll get through it. And you have forgotten that the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Do not lose heart. So if the writer's saying that, don't lose heart, what's the possibility that can happen when he rebukes us? We can, it's not your question, we can lose heart. We can lose heart. What does that mean? Well, in the Greek, this word means to dissolve, dissolve or weaken, to be exhausted or tired out, to not see the point of something. You know, I'm going to tell you, because the, the, the Christian life is a life of spiritual warfare. And if, we, if you haven't discovered that, man, that's why you're getting broadsided. Okay? But the Christian life is a life of spiritual warfare. And Satan will try to attack us by telling us certain things. Okay? Telling us that God has no purpose for what's happening to us. Telling that God is distant or he doesn't care. Or maybe he even dislikes us or he hates us. Okay? Or is punishing us. He's paying us back for something we've done in the past. That's Satan. That's demonic. Or he says, Your power, or God's powerless and he's not preparing us for a more mature future. And so we start feeling overwhelmed and we feel like just tossing in the, the towel and bailing out because everything is so pointless. And losing heart means to become depressed and hopeless as if God has abandoned us or is purposely being unkind to us. Satan wants us to lose sight that God loves us and is completely sovereign and that we are his children and that he deals with us in perfect wisdom all the way through our lives. And now listen to this. God can't do anything out, not out of love. It's impossible. First John tells us God is love. So everything that's in our lives has to come out of God's love for us. And when we know that, then we can cope, all right? Satan wants us to forget that, okay? But God can't do anything apart from or contrary to his love. He's always doing something to guide or correct or teach or mold us into the image of his holiness and of his son, Jesus. He has a pur purpose for everything. So we need to seek his will and, and not lose heart. So we've seen the definition of divine discipline. We've seen how we can wrongly react to it. Now, let's look at the real reasons for divine discipline. What are the reasons that he allows us to suffer, experience hardship, even pain, failure, uh, time, desert times, times in the desert? Well, first of all, it's proof or evidence that God loves us. You say, man, God must be loving me a lot lately. Whoo, boy, God's in love with me. 
because I am in the desert. Desert, not dessert. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I am in the desert. Well, we think that we're being mistreated or punished, and God's saying, no, this is proof of my love for you. Verse 5, are we ever going to get out of verse 5? And you, you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Discipline is proof of God's love, that he loves us with an infinite love, and his discipline for in our lives or our suffering or our difficulties is proof of his love. He, cannot not, he can't not operate out of love. And he's, trying, he's not trying to grieve us so much as to protect us or improve us in areas we need development in. It's like a good parent. I mean, let me, let me read to you. Proverbs is the, the book of the day today, other than this text, but Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13 says it well. You guys, I'm hearing some mm-hmms, so you, you've been there before. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Okay, 29, 15, same book. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. As parents, we're obligated to discipline our children, okay? That's part of being a parent. We are obligated to discipline our children because it shows our love for them, okay? shows our love for them. Um, I remember many years ago uh, when we lived up on 48th here, uh, the chores that we gave our children, isn't it fun to give your children chores? And just go through that process with your kids. And isn't it neat that they always react with happiness? <laughs> At least mine did. They, said, they handed me a, a list saying, could we have more chores? These are some things we'd like to do. I lie a lot, by the way. But, um, so anyway, one of their chores was, you got to mow the lawn. And so we did that on a, kind of on a rotating basis. And one of my sons didn't want to mow because wanted, he wanted to go. He, I can't remember the issue, but he wanted to go out and be with some friends. And uh, I said, yeah, you can go be with your friends after you mow the lawn. But, Dad, you know what? They're going off first, and I don't want to be late. And Okay, I think it was like 20 bucks that I gave him for mowing the lawn. I said, um, no, don't argue with me. You know, you need to go. And I said, well, but, Dad, and I said, okay, that's 15 bucks now. Um, oh, Dad, you know, I want to. That's 10. $10 that you're going to get for doing the same job. He said, but, you know, my friends will go. I said, that's five. And uh, he put up some more fuss. He said, guess what? You now get to mow the lawn for absolutely nothing. You're not a dime. Okay, it's not the end of the story. I heard the lawn, I went into the house, I heard the lawnmower start up, and in our house on 48th, if some of you have been there, we have a big window uh, that looks out on the front yard. So I don't know why I did, but I, I sat in that chair and I was looking outside, and that particular son, I'll never forget it as long as I've had the most happy, contented smile on his face as he mowed the lawn. And it wasn't one of those smiles, yeah, I really, I really uh, ruined Dad's day or anything like that. It was that smile of contentment. 
He didn't care about the 20 bucks. He cared that I had enough uh, fortitude, I guess, to not give him a privilege if he misbehaved. And that's, that's God's plan for us. It's, 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 it's not that he gets a whole bunch of fun out of getting us hurt or struggling or chastisement or discipline. It, it's because he loves us and wants us to grow. And it's, and it's also a proof, not just of his love for us, but that we're his sons. He, verse 5, back in Hebrews 11, I'm going to have to scoot here, but um, Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 5. Uh, or excuse me, verse, uh, yeah, 5 through 8. I'll start in 5. And have you forgotten that the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. By the way, I made a lot of mistakes as a parent. Please don't look at me as the, as the James Dobson of parenting, okay? It's not true. I, that one particular time really worked out well, but uh, I don't want to make, give the image that I had... A, Solomonic wisdom every time I ran into a, you know, situation with my kids. But anyway, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. So discipline and hardships and, and what you're going through now is proof that God loves you and that you're one of his children. Okay. Now, that takes an exercise of faith, does it not? Because sometimes it doesn't seem we have to have, we exercise faith, God. Your word says you're doing this because you love me and because you're wanting to show me that I'm your child. And then the best thing to do in that moment is say thank you. And that's not easy. It takes, an, it takes faith and an exercise of our will. Now, the devil will say, oh, you know what? So that's how God treats one of his children. And he tries to create doubt. He did that with Job. But we need at that moment to thank you, God. I don't like this. And that's fine. Jesus said the same thing. I don't like this either. But we can say, I don't like this, but you're sovereign. I'm being disciplined. I'm experiencing hardship. But it's proof that you love me and I'm your son. Thank you. Okay? And then another reason for divine discipline is in verse 9. It's really interesting. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Isn't that interesting? And he's not talking about physical life. What kind of life is he talking about? Spiritual life. Have you ever heard somebody say, man, that's really living? You know, that's really living. Mm, if it's from the world, flesh, and the devil, it's really not. It's fake life. The world survives on fake life. The Christian gets real life. Real life. What do you mean by real life? Well, if we submit to the discipline of, of God, um, how much more, if we submit to the discipline of our earthly fathers, it says, how much more will it benefit us if we submit to the perfectly wise discipline of our uh, eternal father? And that brings me to the point of what, real, what live here. Live here means to truly live, to have the highest quality of life, to have abundant life, life to the fullest, real life, because real life comes when we're not resisting God. I was expecting a little, oh, yeah, kind of thing, but oh, well. Real life 
comes when we're not resisting God. When we walk with God, we get real life. The Holy Spirit's bubbling up within us. And we're excited and happy to be who we are and be doing what we're doing and be going where we're going. And we get that when we're chastised because we don't have anything else to lean on. It's not cars and girls and guys and dope and alcohol and, and power and money. It's real life. Real life. And then it enables us to share in his holiness. Verse 10. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, while they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. The more he disciplines us, the more uh, we share in his holiness. You see that in your own children. When you discipline them, they act more mature and honor you and they honor God and they honor themselves. We're more holy when we're, when we're disciplined. And then a couple other things. In verse 11 it says, God's discipline produces in us a harvest of righteousness. A harvest of righteousness. People are starting to plant stuff now because spring has sprung, but well, harvest of righteousness. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. A harvest of righteousness and peace, inner peace. When we're in line with God and his plan for our life, we get inner peace, wholeness of soul. It's interesting, the word trains in verse 11, it's the Greek word gymnazo. You know where we get that, what we, English word comes from, gymnazo? Gymnasium. When we're disciplined, we're trained, like we're training in a gymnasium of some kind. And that gives us righteousness and peace and all the other blessings, okay? And then, I think this is the last one here, and then we'll, we'll kind of move into our, our conclusion. Um, look at verse 13, it's, or 12. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet. In other words, in other words buck up me bucko. Buck up me bucko. Handle God's discipline the way he wants you to. Pull yourself up and say, God, I'm going to follow you. But know what happens? That the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. What happens if you and I respond properly to what he's doing in our lives? The people that are weaker than us in the Christian walk, maybe it's our children, maybe it's our parents, maybe it's our workmates, fellow church members. When they see us properly responding to God's discipline, their lameness turns into their healing because they have an example to follow. Just like the writer gave those examples in chapter 11 for these people to follow, you are giving an example to the people who are, are, are lame and, and, and disabled spiritually so they can look at you and go, that's what happens when I follow God. There's a lot of blessings that come from... Uh, responding properly to discipline. There's, there's, many, there's more, lots more, but it's a f bounty when we properly respond. Let me, let me finally go to that proper response to divine discipline just really quickly, and then, and then we'll be on our way. Okay, how do we properly respond to God's discipline? I've been going through it, so I won't take a lot of time, but first of all, we endure it. We endure it. Verse 7, it says, 
uh, endure hardship. Endure it. Just endure it. Flat out, pull your muck, boot out of the muck and plant it in front of you and then take your other foot, pull it out of the muck and plant it in the mud and move forward. Endure it. It's a command here, by the way. Endure it. You can tell, how much it, tell God how much it hurts, but you, you need to endure it. Endure the discipline. Don't bail out. Okay, number two, submit to it. Verse nine. Uh, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Submit to God's um, disciplinary process. Don't rebel defiantly. Submit to it. Surrender to it. Like it or not, knowing that God has a plan and that he is sovereign over our lives and is working all, all our trials together for good can enable us to submit. Just remember, there is no meaningless discipline. Okay? And then allow it to strengthen our feeble arms and weak knees. Allow it to make our, path level, our paths level, verse 12 and 13. And then remember, remember that um, you can be a sparkling example of Christ to other people if you handle discipline the proper way. Okay, I want to be an example to other people. You know, because when I look at godly Christians through the years, I, I've many times said I want to be like them. I could name them to you. Some of them are sitting in here right now. But there are many that have passed on to be with the Lord, and I, I want to be like them. Okay? You, I want to be an example. That means you have to respond properly to his discipline and not bail out, whine, cocoon at home, The Hall of Fame ex-coach of the Dallas Cowboys, the late Tom Landry, once said, the job of a coach is to make men do what they do not want to do in order that they can be what they've always wanted to be. What is true for football is true for every arena of life where people pursue excellence. Discipline is not only beneficial for artists and athletes, discipline is much needed in all of our lives if we are to live this in a way that will bring glory to God and peace to your own hearts. What are you going through right now that qualifies as God's loving, chastisement, discipline, hardship, struggle, or frustration? What's qualifying as that in your life right now? You are right now experiencing a divinely given disciplinary uh, act of God to grow you up in the Lord even more than you are right now. In the words of someone that I don't know said, and what do I say? I say, let the rains of disappointment come if they water the plants of spiritual grace. Let the winds of adversity blow if they serve to root more securely the trees that God has planted. I say, let the sun of prosperity be eclipsed if that brings me closer to the true light of life. Welcome, sweet discipline. Discipline designed for my joy. Discipline designed to make me what God wants me to be. Now, if you're a Christian, you're always under God's loving discipline. If you're not a Christian, you're still under his wrath and judgment, but you don't have to be. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now, if you're not a believer or you're online and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you say, what kind of life did you just advertise for me? All that discipline. But wouldn't you rather be disciplined by a holy, loving God than live a substandard life in this world and in the world to come? Think about that. Let's pray together. Father God, I have no doubt in my mind that there are many wonderful believers here this morning, and there are, because I know many of them, and they are, they're, they're good people because they love you. But I know that hardship and discipline um, have come into their life. It's come into my life. And God, you're trying to stretch us and break us and then remake us and fill us and use us. And you use difficult circumstances. Father, instead of bailing out, treating it lightly, instead of c- comparing ourselves to other people, Lord God, or any other f- wrong way of reacting to our circumstances, we now say thank you, Father. Thank, they, thank you that a so- you're a sovereign God and nothing has come into our lives. That's a mistake. We want to properly um, respond to you. And I'm going to give these people here, these your people, a chance in silence. They have already identified the areas they're struggling, and you've identified them for that here this morning. Lord, help them to whisper, thank you, God, even though this hurts. And uh, I'll do whatever I can to fall in line with your will. Amen. Let's stand and sing a declaration. I just, I just thought of this. Let's stand. Let's sing a declaration. I hope I start this in the right key. <laughs> oh, how he loves you and me. Sing it together. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. He gave it. What more could he do? What more could he do? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Stick around. Greet people that God leads you to this morning. And bless your conversation in Jesus' name. Amen.